Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowen, and Pastor Adam Osher continue their discussion on the small called articles, looking at an Old Testament passage and its application. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and a faithful service in His kingdom since 1964. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow. I'm joined by Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Adam Osher. All right. Welcome back. We are in our Old Testament episode for this arc of uh, episodes. Yes. Yes. We're filioquaying right to the Old Testament. There, there needs to be like a, a dance move associated with that. I Filio. guarantee <laughs> that if you, if you search yeah. the depths of, of the 1970s. Of YouTube. Yeah. You know, if there's a I Have a Friend in Jesus video and there's the uh, the, the the Christian dance party video with uh, oh, the, yeah. you know, those guys, what I'm talking about, yeah. that there's definitely a filioque dance out there. I Sun guarantee. Or something like that. Yeah, I, Jesus I, is I don't even life. know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even want to think about it because I'll probably get angry or I won't be able to stop laughing. Maybe both. Google it. Yeah. Do it. We should. Oh, too bad we can't like show videos or play clips, because that would be fun to do. Well, we're a radio podcast, not a video podcast. I know and everyone appreciates that. Yes, but you know, I listen to podcasts and they're able to pull up like clips from movies and stuff real oh. quick. This would be fun. This would be fun. We should figure out how to do that. The the reason we don't is that we also have a professional producing it, and he's very concerned about copyright law. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> we, we love you, Brian. Thank you that we're not in jail or uh, yes. destitute. On that happy note, what is not copyrighted is the Word of God, Brad. That's right. Actually, and, it is. Oh. <laughs> ESV <laughs> is copyrighted. Yes. That, oh, no, I was talking about... Point. Should I not read the ESV? No, yeah. they have a whole clause. Oh, and you're able like, to do it up to oh, yeah, a certain yeah. amount of verses. verses. And then you just get written permission, they give it to you. Got it. Okay. So you're welcome, Crossway. <laughs> All right, Brett. Let's read. Welcome, uh, Calvinists. Uh, yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're reading from Isaiah 11. You know, as we talk about um, the Trinity and, and all these good things here. So Isaiah 11, 1 through 5 says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from its roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall judge he shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Here ends the reading of God's word. Amen. Amen. I love this passage. It's yeah. loaded. There's so much in this yeah. passage. <laughs> we might have a hard time keeping our focus on the, <laughs> the topic at hand. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right. So where should we start with this passage and why are we talking about it in the context of Small, car, small Called Articles, Part 1, Article, Article two. 2. 
Got well, uh, in the words of Julie Andrews, we should start at the very beginning because it's a very <laughs> good place to start. Uh, but that doesn't answer your uh, second question. So no. the focus of this passage, I think we should go verse by verse because it'll really give us a good sense of it. But the focus of this passage for our purposes with the role of the Spirit in the Trinity mm-hmm. is verse 4. Uh, where it says he, and this is referring to Jesus prophetically, he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, mm-hmm. he shall kill the wicked. And that's a reference to the spirit. Mm-hmm. So the spirit shows up heavily in verse two and implicitly in verse four. And that's why we're looking at this Old Testament passage. All right, cool. Well, let's let's go verse by verse. Uh, let's, let's talk about that. Uh, um, oops, I just lost my passage. Um, Flip the page. Come on. I got it. Yep. All right. Yeah. Verse verse one. Um, so, come forth a shoot uh, from the stump of Jesse. A shoot and a branch from its roots shall bear fruit. So this is our starting point. The whole Old Testament is about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not about anyone or anything else. And God is in the business of fulfilling prophecy. So all the prophecies he's made about David and to David, about someone coming from his lineage, this is uh, the incarnation of Jesus Christ as Messiah, is what one verse one is talking about. And fun fact, uh, when it says that in, in the New Testament, Jesus is you know, going to be from Nazareth to fulfill the prophecy. It's it's actually likely the word branch there, Nazar or Nazar, that is um, kind of a play on words. So the Nazarene, even that is part of prophecy. That's where I was going. That's when I think of this verse, that's what I think of. Yep. It's uh, the, the, the richness of the imagery of the word. It reminds us that language worked differently in, you know, 4,000 years ago than it does today. And a lot of language wasn't a precise one-for-one mathematical equivalent, which is what English is. It's, it worked in ideas and images, and it's exactly what's going on. Is you have a direct prophecy of Christ, but you also have that underlying prophecy of Christ in which he was from Nazareth, and that's a play on words. The the, the double entendres and, and things like that in Scripture are awesome, mm-hmm. especially yeah. in the prophets. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I could go off on that, right? Uh, one in Romans two, but I won't. You should look it up. The last verse of Romans two is a play on words when he says, uh, "His praise, the person who is is trusting in the Lord, um, his praise is from the Lord and not from men." And praise is, means Jew, and he's just saying, "Are the Jews Christians or not?" And I didn't didn't I just say I wasn't going to go into this? Yeah. Anyway, it's really neat. <laughs> well, I'm and, listening and, though. <laughs> and the, the whole yeah. Judah, you know, means praise, and so it's Paul's using the play on words there as well. To uh, yeah, that that the people of that day would have gotten actually as well, and that's part of it. We don't catch it in, in English in the translations, mm-hmm. but well, in, in, it's funny because now I'll go off on this just because yeah. we can explain. This is the purpose of Bible study. Uh, we just finished at my church studying Hosea two, and there's a word in the gospel section of Hosea two, uh, in verse fifteen, where it, the word uh, referring to Gomer slash Israel is referring. It's the same word, but it's a it's a homonym. So it's the same sounding word, but with two separate meanings, as the chord Rahab uses in uh, Judges or Joshua at the fall of Jericho. And so the, the unfaithful prostitute Gomer is being compared to the faithful prostitute Rahab subtly by Hosea, Hosea just in passing in verses 14 and 15 of chapter 2. Nice. It's magnificent. Love it. Love it. Huh. Yeah. Cool. It's almost like the scriptures had a, like a singular author. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Even though yeah. 
even though it had gone on, you know, for 1,500 years, 40 different authors, it's almost like there was somebody there. Yeah. Internal consistency because of the Word of God. There might be some. We should check that out sometime. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, back to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, what yeah. were we talking about? Well, I think the Holy Spirit's been working here. Uh, <laughs> He's showing up. Uh -oh. yeah. Spirit uh, juke. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Ooh, that needs to be a thing. Or spirit yeah. shuffle. Because we got Jesus juke. The spirit shuffle. No, that's no, another it just YouTube makes me video think of, gone uh, wrong. Makes me think of the Super Bowl shuffle. Yeah, the icky shuffle. Not no. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So verse verse two here. That train uh, crashing behind yeah, us is the sign right. of this podcast going all the way uh, off the rails. I am trying to get us back on the rail. Uh, verse two has four references to the spirit: the spirit of the Lord, spirit of wisdom, spirit of counsel, spirit of knowledge, and um, yeah, connecting the spirit to Jesus here. Yeah, and this this uh, this verse is picked up by th the three synoptic gospels to apply to Jesus. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, uh, a direct prophecy ultimately of Christ's uh, baptism, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the spirit of wisdom and understanding where Christ is also uh, compared to wisdom personified in Proverbs 8. Uh, then you have the spirit of counsel and might, and that's a, another prophecy from what Isaiah 9, mighty counselor. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the spirit of the knowledge Wonderful. and fear of the Lord. Uh, yeah. Wonderfuler. Counselor. No. <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway. Uh, I, I just want to take this moment to apologize to everybody who's still listening. But especially uh, to God. <laughs> but especially <laughs> to, to the Holy Spirit, actually, uh, uh, yes. who has convicted me to... to issue that apology. Keep going, Jason. But the, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, I wonder here, and I'm not enough of a biblical linguist to know, mm -hmm. but I think that's probably an implicit prophecy of Jesus as the Logos, the word of God, hmm. uh, where, where knowledge and wisdom are wrapped up in this prophecy. So that the Jesus has the, his divinity with him at all times, mm -hmm. even though he's not always making use of it. And we have to be very careful in prophecies of Jesus to talk about that Jesus completely laid aside his divinity because that runs the risk of splitting him into two Christs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting, you know, just looking at the ESV here, you know, they capitalize the word spirit. Yep. Um, yeah. And obviously that's a contextual it, thing. Yeah, it's right. Interpretive. interpretive point. Um, yeah, I guess, is there anything to say of, have you guys ever heard people talk about, uh, you know, how we refer to our spirit as, as part of ourself, uh, part of our soul, perhaps, of, uh, you know, when it talks about the spirit of the Lord, uh, is that Jesus is, does Jesus have a spirit that's distinct from the Holy Spirit? Have you guys ever heard anybody say anything along those lines? The only terminology that really come, we come close to in the church is actually the Athanasian Creed. Mm -hmm. Where uh, the the reasonable soul of Jesus Christ is in the is in the Jesus section of the creed, right? But uh, in all contexts that I can recall in biblical, that when they're referring to the Spirit of Jesus, it's it's the Trinitarian third person of the Trinity. And mm -hmm. I, I think it's good because this allows us to to anchor yeah. the argument that the work of Jesus in fulfilling God's plan of redemption is the work of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. That well, and that's consistent with his baptism. Yeah, I was going to say when the Spirit came to descend upon him. It 
it wasn't that the, that's the first time it ever happened. Uh, obviously, it wasn't that, oh, all of a sudden now he's got the spirit. He invited the spirit to come, right? Yeah. <laughs> and there he was. But it was he's, something. Uh, gets up out of the water and he's singing, Holy Spirit, come. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we invite Holy you spirit, to this place. You welcome here. Yeah. The, um, the, and where were we going with this? Good grief. All right. It's not the first time. It's not the last, it's, but it was the visible manifestation mm-hmm. as a picture of this verse, verse 2, that, that his ministry, which was one of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might knowledge, etc. And we go on also righteousness and justice and, and uh, the power of his word, all is tied up with the presence of the Holy Spirit in, in the, uh, the picture of that in his baptism. And it's the inauguration, if you will, uh, of you know the, the prototype or whatever you'd call it of Christian baptism, but it's uh, a picture of the beginning of his ministry. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting because you bring up a good point. What Jesus does, these visible manifestations or these audible manifestations of what's going on inside the work of the Trinity, Jesus, that's for us. It's not for him. So Jesus doesn't get baptized for his good. He gets baptized for our good. And I, I forget the passage where God speaks to Jesus out of the cloud as he prays. And then Jesus said, this voice was for you guys, not for me. You know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So Jesus is baptized. The spirit rests on him. And, and you know, there's there's a ton of implications, which was follows in the synoptics that aren't included here. But the big thing with the spirit resting on Jesus after his baptism uh, is God says, this is my beloved son, uh, uh, with whom I am well pleased, and Satan immediately takes Jesus into the wilderness to tempt him, and then he opens by saying, "If you are the Son of God, right?" It's it's this work of imputation that Jesus is doing in baptism. He in his baptism, uh, is Luther or Chemnitz, uh, I can't, I'm probably wrong on both counts, uh, says that when sinners go into the waters of baptism, they leave their sins behind. When Jesus goes into the waters of baptism, he carries with him the sins of all humans. Hmm. Hmm. So that's yeah. part of where the great Never exchange happens. He's, he's identified, and this is a traditional church position, that Jesus is identified as the sin bearer in his baptism hmm. because it, yeah, it has the reverse effect on Jesus as it did on everyone else. Yeah, I have never read read or heard that. That's oh, okay. good. Well, yeah. it's fun. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's look at verse three here. It says, "And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear." And I'll add uh, just verse, do the first verse, two phrases. Yeah, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. Yeah. Massive. Now, now we're into Romans three territory yeah. with this. Uh, Jesus does not judge by what his eyes hear, his ears hear. So this is this is an allusion back to the anointing of King David, which is what this passage is about, right? So mm-hmm. Samuel's there to anoint one of Jesse's sons, and yep. uh, the uh, what's the first, the oldest one? We get his name, and it's a really awesome not, name. Not, oh, no, that's not. It starts with an dead. E, but yeah. the oldest one comes, and, and Samuel's like, "Well, this guy's a pretty good-looking dude," and God's like, "Nope." And he goes through all the sons, and it's like, is there anyone else? And, and David comes, and God judges by the heart, not by what he sees. Yeah. So this is an application of those verses. But then it's also God does not judge, or Jesus does not judge in a human way, what his eyes see or what his ears hear. So that's an acknowledge that, acknowledgement that not only God, but Jesus Christ, God the Father, Jesus Christ, know what our sin is. They're, they're not unaware of what Jesus is doing. But then the next phrase seals the whole thing up, but with righteousness, mm-hmm. he shall judge. And that's firmly in Romans 3.26 territory. So that God is both just 
and the justifier of the one who has faith in him. And so Jesus judges with righteousness, but he judges by his righteousness for us. And so that legally speaking in God's uh, mm-hmm. economy, uh, what he does in redemption isn't just a gracious and merciful act, but it's also just it's justice personified. And so Jesus judges by righteousness, but he judges by his own imputed righteousness. Yeah, good. Adam, do you have any additional comments here on this verse? Yeah, I was just yeah. looking at this and I was thinking, you know, yeah, we, we actually are covering Romans 3 right now. I'm teaching Romans and, and we're talking about Romans 3. And that's interesting. I'd never tied it back to this verse like you have before. But yeah, and, and his righteousness, we talk a lot about the nature of righteousness and the, and the importance of righteousness. And, the, and, the, and, and Paul makes the argument and elsewhere in Romans 3. It's like, why can't God just say, hey, congratulations, thanks for making me look good because you're so bad. You know, that's a a bad argument, you know, but that's Paul's argument that he's making kind of a diatribe argument at the beginning of the chapter. Yeah. Uh, And it's because... I'm good at sinning. God's good at forgiving. It's a beautiful relationship. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That's not righteousness per se. It took, you know, what he is doing here, his judgment in righteousness is actually... Uh, him taking the sins of the poor. Yep. Yeah, and and that's interesting. I never tied these verses. Well, and, and the biggest thing I've taken away from Dr. Joel Bierman in his teaching is that it, it righteousness is one of those words we think we mean, we think we know what it means, and so we kind of move on. But we want to define those terms. And, and the easiest way that Bierman did it for me is that righteousness means to be rightly oriented to. And so God ignoring sins or, or the 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 gospel being somehow a message of us getting over our guilt uh, doesn't rightly orient us to God because that leaves us still sinners in the hands of an angry God. Thanks, Jonathan Edwards, for that, right? Uh, so it's that the righteousness of God is to deal with our sins uh, by Jesus on the cross. And then you also have in the first two lines of verse four, you have Beatitudes language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have the meek of the earth and yeah. the poor. Yep. And so then you get into the blessed are the, the hungry, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek. And the answer to that is, is what Jesus has done. Mm-hmm. They're not attitudes or virtues to be cultivated. Beautiful attitudes. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. All of these references that are funny because we... We grew up with this, I was right? going to say, they're just it's like yeah. these aren't, yeah. yeah. Un- undoing yeah. of some of those things. But yeah, not not a completely undoing in terms of like a falling away from the faith, but just uh, like you're saying, Jason, kind of, well, <laughs> it, we have to, sometimes you have to break a bone to reset it in the right place. Yeah, well, theology by sloganizing is almost always bad. Yeah. It's, you know, it's yeah. what it's the danger of Twitter, right? That I can say something, but then someone will yell at me for not saying the 47 other things that <laughs> I didn't say. Yeah. Like when we summarized our mission statement, which is unusually long for the school, and I establishing students in the Word of God for a life of faith, and... Inerrant. Is it no longer about service in the congregation anymore? And I was like, is it uh, no longer the inerrant word? It, it was like one sentence. I'm sorry. If, if this person is listening, I'm sorry. You know, no, that wasn't what we're trying to do. But yeah, we can summarize and we can shorthand. And and interestingly, scripture does that too. Scripture does it, but there's a place to go to find the whole detail, right? right? And and, and the, the, the problem uh, as the church has grown older, I won't even pick on the modern generic American church. As the church has grown older, it's just grown lazy. Mm-hmm. And we only communicate part of the By story. Slogans. Yeah. yeah. In, in only communicating part of the story, the the shorthand becomes the story, and that's where the problem ends up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, let's let's 
kind of start to wrap up this episode here. Um, I, I'm looking forward to get to the to, actual f- f- the phrase we're targeting. I, I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> you, you mentioned before we started recording, you, you wanted to talk about this. Some expressions here at the end of verse four, yeah. um, talking about he shall strike the earth with his rod, with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. Ruach. Yeah. So here's the deal. All you happy feely people, okay? You want to know a way the spirit's moving? The law is being preached and consciences are terrified. Hmm. That's what this is saying, right? Yeah. The, the spirit works through the word of God and not only in the warm fuzzies, right? We're not trying to be jerks and denigrate experience, but to reduce the work of the, the spirit to the warm fuzzies is to discredit the work of the spirit. Because if someone's preaching the law and people are getting convicted of sins and coming to God for mercy, that's the work of the spirit, right? The, the, the threefold work of the spirit from John 16 is he will convict the world of sin, sin. he will convict the world of righteousness, and he will convict the world of judgment, right? And so uh, if, if you are, are feeling terrified because God has uh, reminded you of a sin you haven't repented for or shown you something in a new light that you didn't understand, the spirit is working. The, the spirit is working there, and, and it's the role of Jesus and even partially the role of the cross to show us the depth and the ugliness of our sin. We need to see the cross to understand what we're being saved from. You know, mm-hmm. when we ask God to save us, this is another one. I, I really wish I had a memory for quotes. I really do. But this is another one is when we say, save us, God, we are asking God to save us from God. Yeah. I don't know who has that quote. Yep. Well, that's that whole passage of the, the storm that Jesus talks about and the, the house that was built on the sand and that which was built on the rock in Romans 7, or not Romans 7, Matthew, Matthew 7. 7. Um, it, that whole, the storm comes and the wind blows and it beats upon that house, but only the one built on the rock stands. And we oftentimes interpret that particular passage as, you know, all the storms of life, the difficulties, you know, uh, you lose your job, uh, you have a loved one pass away uh, or die. you got to use die, not pass away. Thank you. you don't wanna, I, know I was going to correct It's going to make Jason mad. So the loved one dies or, or, you know, kids going through something that's very difficult and you don't like to see that. And all this, you know, sub, you know, somewhat are probably accurate and that's some, you know, also true. But I think what Jesus is referencing to, uh, referencing in that passage is coming back to Isaiah here, Isaiah 28 where it talks about um, the cornerstone. <laughs> and, and it's like Israel at the time was, oh, I, I want, we're going to make a covenant with Egypt because they're going to protect us from, you know, them. And I'm scared of them. And, um, or you even know, a covenant with the Assyrians before that yeah, never worked out for We're going to make a deal. And God's like, get this straight. The problem isn't Assyria. The problem isn't Babylon. The problem isn't any of these other you know, empires. The problem is me. <laughs> and if you get that <laughs> right, you'll be okay. And, and the only way you're going to get that right is if you build upon the cornerstone who is Christ. And same, same concept, same idea. Well, and, and a possible interpretation of that parable is that God is the house, God is the rock, and God is also the storm. Right. And all of those things. And so that, you know, like when God shows up in Job, he shows up in the tempest or, or, or the, the, the whirlwind. whirlwind right. Yeah. And so we, we, we recognize that what God is doing for us is he is doing because of what he has to do to us if he doesn't do that. 
Mm-hmm. Right, because of his justice. And so Jesus, as the law bringer here, not in the Roman sense, the, the Roman Catholic sense, but in the, the there is punishment for our sins, and that's what Jesus showed up for, uh, which gets us to verse 5, and we have just a little bit of time to address say, that. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. well, I'll read that again here. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. And that's armor of God language. Yeah. And so you have... Loins. The, yeah, the loins, the gird up your loins, mm-hmm. uh, which I've never done, because I've never worn a toga. Uh, Nobody wants to hear about that. No. Let's just move on. I've never done it, so we don't need to hear about it. Uh, But the belt in the armor of God is the belt of truth. Which yeah. then now, yeah. by the consistency of the image in Scripture, you're con- you're you're comparing righteousness with truth yeah. and faithfulness with truth. So again, the ultimate expression of truth that God brings us is the gospel, right? The righteousness of Jesus Christ for us and in our place. The faithfulness of God to save us when He should smite us, but instead He smites His son instead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, yeah, this has been great, you guys. Um, any kind of a closing thoughts as we look at all these verses together. Um, Isaiah 11, 1 through 5, thinking of the Spirit. Yeah, Adam. I said the I said the mm-hmm. word right away. That's why I want to just come back to this. But in verse 4, when it says the breath of his lips, mm-hmm. breath and spirit are the same word. Ruach is the is the Hebrew word there. And it's this how the Spirit is, you know, he is the one proclaiming. God, Christ speaks to the Spirit, and I was just making yeah. that reference and, to that word. And where this ties everything together with filioque and the work of the Spirit is that the 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 primary passage, the CD's doctrine yep. of the Spirit proceeding from the Son goes to John 20, where Jesus breathes on his disciples and says, mm. receive the Spirit. Mm. And so all of this consistent imagery, again, it matters. It seems like it's hyper-technical. It seems like it's super academic, but it's not. Because mm-hmm. then you get, you open up the richness of these interpretations. Yeah. You open up b- being able to see the consistency of the images that God uses in his word across the millennia to communicate the gospel to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. You are invited to the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary on March 13th and 14th as we hear from best-selling author Nancy Piercy. Professor Piercy will share insights from her books on gender and sexuality, demonstrating on how a biblical worldview is the solution to the challenges facing society as well as the church today. Register for live stream or reserve a seat at flbc.edu slash events. God bless you and have a great week.